Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Leach CFL. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and on Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Awesome. And don't forget to follow the show, True North CF Pod, on both Instagram and Twitter, and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So, without further ado, let's jump into the news. Tyron Moore is done for the season. Big blow for the Riders. Duke Williams and Dan Clark. May not play this week either, so they're in a bit of trouble here. It is a, it's a rough week for uh, Saskatchewan, I will say. However, I will also mention that Saskatchewan cannot clinch a home playoff game this week. Nope. So, we'll see. Elks Taylor Cornelius to start over Nick Arbuckle. Shocking decision or right move? I think they'll give Nick the last two games. They'll let Taylor have one more. I guess, yeah, I, I don't know if Arbuckle is not 100% sure with the playbook yet, and they want to make sure that he's 100% ready to go. I think he hit it right on the head, Carter. I'm with you. I don't think he has the system quite yet, so give him another week or two, I think, before we see Nick Arbuckle. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, <clears throat> I forgot to add on to there. Arbuckle signed an extension for 2022 as well. Yes, yes yep. he did. So. Big dub for Edmonton there. And, then... and for Arbuckle, too. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a really good signing on both sides. True. Win-win. And the Red Blacks re-sign Richard Leone and we are not freeing Devontae Dedman because he extended with the Red Blacks. So <laughs> Hey, he chose to stick around and I mean, I guess if they believe in the system, I mean, Ottawa has shown that they can win in the past, so. Yeah, yes. And then story with some allegations here that we'll get to in a minute. Argos signed former most outstanding rookie Nate Hawley. Where they get the money for all this, I do not know. But he is facing some allegations, and I'll let Taylor explain those. Well, if you just if you looked at the CFL's post today, there were some uh, women coming forward with allegations against him, and uh, yeah, it's just he doesn't have a good look around him right now on uh, on the internet, and. Uh, I mean, you can go do your, the search for yourself if you want to see it. I don't want to get into the gritty details, but uh, he has not been nice to women. We'll say that. Yep. And then Trevor Harris to start against Winnipeg this week. I think that's a good move for Montreal. And then yeah, it's, we're, it's a move. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna turn Carter loose in a second here. So mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff Goat sixth. Count it sixth in the three down MOP race. Okay, what do you think, here, Carter? Here's my thing. Sixth is okay. Sixth is okay. <clears throat> I think he should be fifth. Because there's one guy that I'd put him ahead on, on the list that uh, is on there for the three down MLP race. Um, and that is Willie Jefferson. However, um, the other players that are ahead of him, I just got to scroll and find the article here. Um, it is Dan Beck, Kadeem, Caleros, uh, Kenny Lawler. Um, all of those players, not in that order, but those four players. Um, yeah, I would say probably having a better year than Jackson is, except maybe Kadeem Carey. But anyway, um, the thing that Three Down Nation said was what really sort of irritated me, <laughs> saying that 
tied with Riders defensive end Jonathan Water to top the league <laughs> with nine stacks. Jeff Coates' production has been unquestioned. How much of that is based on his own merit is more the concern when you are paired with a freak like Jefferson. Well, then, how much of Zach Caleros' season is on him? Because his offensive line is doing the work of making sure he doesn't have to deal with a concussion this season. Right? Uh-huh. Exactly. You start using other players as a means to diminish somebody's accomplishments, and then everybody's stats have to get diminished in that same light. True. Right? Like, looking down the list for, um, for this, it's like, it's just ridiculous. And the fact that, like, Jake Winicky went from five to out of the lineup in the top nine. Yep. Like, that, that blows my mind. Just put some respect on these guys' names. Like it's, I know, it right? blows my mind how quickly people get like in and out of these rankings, and I don't know. It just it's personally pretty annoying to see. Yeah, but, that's um, fair. Yeah, I mean, I um, you know, I've I've got my obvious pick right now for uh for most outstanding defensive player, and I will say nothing on, and I'm gonna double check this right now to make sure that I'm not just uh. Talking out of my uh, talking out of my butt here, but I believe he still leads the league in forced fumbles. And if that's the case, nobody has mentioned that yet. Mm-hmm. Yes, he still does. He has double what anybody on any other team in the CFL does. The only guy that um, the only guy that is close to him is Jefferson. He's one behind him with three, and Jackson has four. Fair enough. So let's get into the recap of last week's games. Calgary downed Ottawa, but only by a total of 13 points as they beat them 26 to 13. So I got to ask, why the slow start for Calgary? Uh, I think it's uh, just traveling out east and uh, Ottawa, Ottawa's defense usually puts up a decent fight the first half of these games here. And I mean, they only allowed 13 points in the first half. They allowed 13 points in the second half, but like they did what they could in the first half. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the problem. or That is why it was a slow start for Calgary. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, every week I'm always like, is this the one that Ottawa's going to get? And then it's just, no, never mind. Nope. Like, <laughs> I, I get so excited because I'm like, even though I'm going to lose a spot on the predictions, I'm like, maybe this is the one. <laughs> They're gonna get their third. They're not gonna. They're not gonna have to worry about it. And then, nope. Um, they are still in danger of being the first team ever to finish uh, with less than three wins. I believe that's the case. I don't think there's been a CFL team with less than three wins in a season. Um, there, there might have been a long time ago. But yeah, like definitely long, not in long, recent long. memory. Yeah. Yeah, but then again, I think uh, if I go to the standings, what's uh, what's Edmonton at? Edmonton's only at two as well. Ooh. However, Ottawa's played two more games than Edmonton. Yep. But Edmonton's also got to play three and seven, so we'll see. I also did say at the start of the year that the Red Blacks were a two-win team, so I'm real I'm hoping that prediction's right. We'll see. Well, they've they've got two more uh two more weeks to turn it around. Who do they play? I'm not sure. You know, uh they play Toronto and they play in the last week Montreal. Oh, so I should be safe. Not- not a terrible line. There's certainly better teams that they could play, but those aren't easy lineups. Yeah. And then, yeah, a slow start for me. I'm not really sure. It it just looked like Calgary wasn't really trying too hard until the second half. Like, they turned it on in the second half, but it just looked really sloppy to me uh, in the first half there. So, 
with Ottawa being so bad this year, at what point do you look towards next year? Uh, well, it's probably like week six or seven that they probably started looking towards next year. Like this season has just been uh, a write-off basically for them. Like just with quarterback play, uh, no running back, you know, their defense has been inconsistent, good, but inconsistent at times. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's not good. And yeah, I think they packed in the bags a while ago and they've been looking at the future for, for quite a while too. Yeah, they've been... Uh... I mean, they've been knocked out of the playoffs. I think they're the only team that is yeah. uh, knocked yep. out of the playoffs. And just, I don't know what you can really, like at that point, why are you playing for this season? Just start looking at what you got, see who you can extend, see who, uh, like what holes you're trying to fix, that type of thing. Agreed. And I think just, you got to look at who's worth keeping around or worth developing. I, oh. I will say, I will say, you like, you got to live in the present. So un- until that percentage hits zero, you have to try and play for this season, but yeah. now that it's done, you gotta you gotta just look to the now future because otherwise you're just wasting time. Yeah, exactly. So, is it surprising to you that Bo Levi Mitchell is leading the league in interceptions? Uh yeah, to me it is. I mean, especially with him, like he's only played nine games this year, and he's thrown thirteen interceptions, and then. The, the next guy behind him is Cody Fajardo, eleven games, nine interceptions, which still isn't good but 13 is not and he's only thrown seven touchdowns sorry so yeah just uh kind of a surprising year for Bo he's not a like a 35 40 touchdown kind of guy but uh that many picks in this shortened season is very surprising to me I will say like kind of yes and no to this question because on one hand I don't like you, you never like if you told me at the beginning of the season is this what I expected I'd say of course not but we're talking about a guy who, either by his decision or by the organization's decision, played with a broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> like, true. I'm not going to get over that. You're telling That's me, like, so if true. you tell me, if you tell me that any specific quarterback is forced to play with a broken leg and you tell me that they lead the league in picks, I'm going to believe you. I don't care which quarterback it is. That's a like, good point. Fair. Yep. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel on that one. Because yeah, like <laughs> at the beginning of the year, no. But due to recent circumstances, I can absolutely see that. Yeah, I had to do a double take on that one, but yeah, that's correct. And uh, yeah, I think it makes sense given that injury that he's been playing with. And then on to our next game: Hamilton down the Elks, thirty-nine to twenty-three. So I gotta ask because this was probably the biggest drama of the game. Why was Simone not kicked out after he hit James Wilder late and just all the drama that ensued after that? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, I don't, it's tough. The, uh, he seems very undisciplined and, uh, you know, like the league doesn't really go after him a lot. Like he's had some history in the past few years now. I'm not just saying the Zach Caleros thing. There's been other stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just I I don't really know what the explanation is for it. Like I I don't know if the league likes him as like one of their bases, so they don't do anything to like make him upset or what it is. But uh, yeah, I I really don't know. It's it's a good question. I mean, he does a really good job of like just skirting around the line, doesn't he? You know, he doesn't cross it, but he's able to like get right up next to it, and it's kind of annoying to watch, but. 
Yeah. Like, especially when something like this happens and you're like, okay, surely it's got to happen. And then it just doesn't. Um, I kind of agree with what you're saying about like, you know, star players not getting kicked out because that kind of lines up with what happened at the Banjo Bowl. But mm-hmm. like, cause again, I'm, I'm saying, I think, uh, I think that everything should have stayed the same with how that game went, except I think Harris should have also been taken out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a league mandated thing behind closed doors or like what, but I doubt they would do something like that. But then again, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. This really does have to be something behind closed doors because he was doing stuff that was leading up to this. He was antagonizing Wilder and after this dirty hit by Simone, Wilder had to leave the game. So even more reason to kick him out and for some reason he got to stay in i don't get it and yeah i think it's just because he's a name he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt kind of like how it works in the nba sometimes and then i guess the follow-up question to this will be will there be further discipline uh well i guess we'll find out tomorrow when fines come out i think it's 12 but uh that's probably all he'd get if anything is a fine. And you know what? Thinking about it, like I haven't seen a lot of talk of it, so I'm like, I'm not even sure he'll get a fine for it. Like maybe something, but uh, I I bet that's it if anything. Yeah, no, I don't see anything going on with this. Like, yeah, there might be a fine, but nothing that actually makes it seem like a real bad thing that Simone Lawrence did. You know, I just. Again, don't see it happening. One of the stars of the league, and they don't really like to uh, discipline them unless it's glaringly obvious that something needs to be done. Yeah, they won't market their stars, but they will protect them. So probably no further discipline for Simone here. And then, given the Elks have been an absolute embarrassment this year, will their head coach be keeping his job next year? That's going to be the tough one, because with coaches money's a little more guaranteed and then it's going to get a little more tight. And uh, like, if you tear off that bandaid right now, I mean, you're starting fresh again. Whereas like, do we know that Jamie Elizondo was the problem or is it more Sutherland and like without Sutherland, he'd be better. Like that's going to be, that's going to be the question. And like, it's uh, like, we could be going through an Ottawa situation again, where we see, let's say they do fire the coach and keep Sutherland and you see the bad system come and go through that system. Yeah. Like it, it could be anything. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. But, uh, I, I oh, see it's tough. Like he could be the guy to, that they sacrifice to say bad season coach is gone. So it's a tough call right now, I think. Or a, uh, for a short form answer and I'll elaborate, but for short form, I say, yes, keep him on. And the reason why I say keep him on is because, you got to make sure that you get the full stench of getting Brock Sunderland off this team and let him go, like, let uh, Elizondo go completely fresh into next year. And if you have even, like, a, a really bad start to the season, you can get rid of him in the middle of the season. But, like, you got to give him one more shot, I think, just to even, like, start off the season hot next year. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, I think. Brock Sunderland's probably going to be gone after this year with all the news coming out of Edmonton of how he treated Joey Moss and how 
like he cut players over text in some of his comments and I think he's definitely gone as for Alizondo I think you give him one more year to see what he do- can do but yeah. yeah hey before we move on I think we should just kind of shout out Hamilton's offense for that game though they have put up True. like 40 points like Mazzoli with 360 yards, three touchdowns. Don Jackson had a 120-yard game with a <laughs> touchdown. Like, that's unheard of. Good for them. Like, that's that's good. They're hot at the right time, so that's that's good to see for them. Yep, their offense did wonders for my fantasy team. I picked three Hamilton receivers, and they all got over 13 points. So, oh. worked out for me. Nice. And then, on to our next game, which was extremely close uh maybe well no it's the outcome would have been different i guess if one team had good special teams but (laughs) bc loses to toronto 29 to 31 so are you surprised at how close this game was uh actually not no for me no um the Argos sometimes remind me of the Rough Riders, and uh, they like to play to their opponent's level. That's how I feel sometimes. And uh, yeah, like it's just it was like it was a dirty win. But you look at the Rider game too, and it was a dirty win, but it was a win. And that's how I think that's how Toronto's going to look at this too. Like uh, they got the win, and I don't think they're going to be surprised by it. But uh, I bet BC's a little surprised by their loss in that game, especially with that that missed kick. Oh, that sucks. I'm surprised. Yeah, didn't he have like he missed like three? Yeah, he was like oh for three. If he hits any one of those, and like they win. Yeah, exactly. And like that's a tough pill to swallow. But at the end of the day, that is how it goes. That was that is literally how the game would have panned out, especially at the end. You're sitting there, zeros on the clock. You're down by one. I mean, good to like shoot it out of the end zone. At least that's one thing. Like you forced OT. At least you didn't ping it off the like. uh, like, at least it wasn't, like, dead ball, you know? Or, like, somebody else booted it out. But, yeah. Just ridiculous. So, I'm kind of more surprised that BC was almost able to peel away a win versus how uh, close the game was. It was like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah for me, uh, given how BC performed the week before where they got absolutely embarrassed, part of me is surprised, but the other part of me is the like, yeah, but BC is like actually a decent team, and that was coming off a of bye week. So I was and I wasn't surprised by how they came out and almost beat the top team in the East. And then, does this game put BC back in the playoff conversation? Uh, for me, no. Uh, like, Hamilton can uh, eliminate the crossover talk. Uh, this week, if they beat BC, and I mean, BC schedules is they play Hamilton and then Calgary and then Edmonton. So I think they can get one more win this year. So yeah, I don't think it puts them back in the conversation by any means. Um, No, yeah, not at all. This game does this game, in fact, does more to take them out of the playoff conversation because, yeah, they got close, but they have the anti-clutch factor right now. Yeah, true. And going down the stretch. Like it's it's kind of like playoff baseball. You can have all the statistics in the world. You can have all of everything to help you out. At the end of the day, four quarters can change everything. Facts. And then, yeah, I don't know. I feel like 
they're definitely they're still in it, but barely. And then thoughts on the QB play of both teams. Well, I didn't like Mike Riley didn't have his worst game, three touchdowns and a pick and almost 300 yards, but only 52% completion rate. So like he didn't have his worst game, but then you look at McLeod Bethel Thompson, who only had 155 yards and a touchdown and a pick. So, uh, and that pick was nasty because that was that pick six right in front of his face. So uh, like, I don't think it was bad play by both teams, but uh it's clearly not enough for BC to win. Like just to have Mike Riley, like if their defense is letting up 31 points and their special teams can't score, you need to fill those holes too, before you can even think about the playoffs at this point. Their defense has absolutely looked atrocious and they brought in so many guys (laughs) to try and fix that issue. Like it, it's, uh, it's just so unfortunate. Like, like I just feel so bad for Marcus Sales specifically, man, because I'm sure Winnipeg offered them the offered him the bag as well to stick around. True. And he left and went to BC. Well, um, it was not a good decision. But uh, talk, going back to the quarterbacks, like yeah, neither of them played crazy exceptionally. Because I mean, a little bit better completion percentage on uh, Bethel Thompson, or yeah, yeah, yeah Bethel Thompson. But um, only 155 yards compared to 290 with three touchdowns and a pick. Um, it also looked like um, like Michael Riley was willing to take shots, you know, take a little bit more uh, yeah. risk, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, that's helpful. If they're able to make the playoffs, it'll be nice to have that. But I just, again, don't see them making the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I think all the said needed to be said there. And then, so on to our next game. Saskatchewan beat Montreal in an interesting game, uh, 19-14. to 14. So, is a win a win? Should Ryder fans feel good about the small win over Montreal? Uh, well, as a Ryder fan, I mean, I was happy we won that game, but that was a nail-biter right to the end. And, uh, to not have your quarterback like throw or score a touchdown by any way is kind of concerning, but he did what he had to do to get the win. The defense played pretty well. Uh, yeah, like it was, oh, it, it was scary, but I will take it because I mean, yeah, in the end, a win is a win. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, um, this shows that Saskatchewan does have that clutch factor. This is something that, like, you know, Montreal isn't a bad team. If Saskatchewan makes it to the Grey Cup, the Montreal Alouettes are definitely a team that they could be lining up against in that Grey Cup. So being able to pull out a win with literally, like, I'll say it, like, one of the, I'd say probably one of the worst, even though he didn't throw a pick, I'd say this was one of uh, Cody Fajardo's uh, worst games. However, I mean, his offensive line didn't really help him, but, you know, you got to find a way to win. And at the end of the day, that's what they were able to do. Uh, Brett sure. Lar- Brett Lothar looked like he was returning to form. Uh, like went four for four on field goals with a yep. long of forty one. That's not terrible at all. Uh-huh. Now they're back to being the Ice Man. But probably yeah. my favorite quote in the CFL is "There are no asterisks in the Canadian Football League." And <laughs> I like that. That is that is what all I'm gonna say for that one. A win is a win. I don't know if I feel good about this win. Like I don't. Feel like, oh yeah, that was awesome. We beat down Montreal. It was like, oh, we got the win. Okay. You know? And then 
What are your thoughts on Trevor Harris's performance? You know, coming in uh, the way he did, like it, it was what he probably had a week and a half there. Uh, like he didn't play bad. He had that uh, his old line couldn't block for him at the end there, but uh, he had some really clutch plays at the end. He got that touchdown right at the end of the game and almost made the comeback. Uh, so I like you know it, it was looking good, and I think Montreal is going to have a lot of questions going forward. Like, do you? Do you stick with Trevor Harris or do you keep Vernon Adams? That I like that's gonna be a big okay. thing this offseason. At first, at first I yeah. thought we were talking about Matt Schultz versus Trevor Harris, and I was like, Are you oh. serious? <laughs> uh, but that would be funny. No, yeah. I get it. I get it. Um I will say he nearly caught Fajardo, and Fajardo played yeah. the whole game. True, yeah. Of, uh, passing yards. Um when I saw Trevor Harris playing, I saw a guy who fit in with the structure of what that team is built to do. Um, I am personally, yeah, I, I think that this conversation just got a heck of a lot more interesting because they built this team around Vernon Adams, but they were really able to just plug Trevor Harrison and he was able to sort of hit the ground running. True. So that adds a really interesting dynamic. Well, and you can't have two $300,000 quarterbacks on your team. Mm-hmm. it's not going to happen so yeah they're like one of them's going to go and it's i mean otherwise otherwise the bombers would have um caleros and nichols on the team mm-hmm. yeah exactly but like uh like uh, what is it trevor's six years older than vernon adams but trevor's a little more consistent with like his throws where vernon has been where he did play this year he was kind of very inconsistent he'd have a great game where they score 50 and then the next game they get blown out so yeah yeah, like I, I think they actually have some tough decisions to make depending on how this plays out. I guess to finish the year, like if Trevor Harris lights it up, then yeah, they have some big questions to answer. Uh, I said probably, I believe it was last week that when Trevor Harris gets in there, he's going to win them some games, and he almost won them this game when he came in. It was a significantly better team under Trevor Harris than it was with Schiltz. And I knew that we might see some better passing from Montreal just because they got that stacked group of receivers and Trevor Harris is just straight up a more accurate passer than Vernon Adams. So that did not surprise me. And I really think this team is going to be fun to watch down the stretch if they keep rolling with Trevor Harris. And then... What are both teams' biggest weak spots heading into the playoffs? Uh, for for me, I think the Riders. It's their offensive line. Uh, if like if you can't keep Cody Fajardo standing up during the playoffs and this final kind of run here to lock up a home playoff game, you uh, yeah, you're gonna have a lot of trouble, especially playing Calgary and or Winnipeg. Like you're just you're asking for trouble. So yeah, that. That's their biggest problem. And I think with Montreal, it's going to be uh, their defensive backs. Because, uh, I mean, their O-line hasn't been playing the worst. Uh, uh, no, well, I'd say it's their O-line and their DBs because they have let up some big plays. And uh, their O-line did let uh, Trevor Harris get sacked in a few very key plays at the end of the game. But, uh, yeah, it's just going it, to... That, that's my issues with them, I think. I mean... Looking at the stat line here, Montreal gave up five sacks. Yep. Yeah. And so personally, yeah, I think the offensive line is honestly the big issue on both of these sides. However, if I were to say which one, which team 
has it tougher going down the stretch. You got to go with Saskatchewan just because the strength of opponents when you reach the playoffs is going to be a lot tougher than what Montreal's offensive line is going to have to deal with. True. So I think their issues are the same. Plus, I think Saskatchewan also needs to deal with... Um, I think they were better on it this game, but they need to work on their discipline still. That's yeah, definitely fair. Time. For me, I would say that the Riders, it's not even... It's 100% the offensive line is a massive concern. And for Montreal, it's really tough. Their offensive line was not good this game, but throughout the year, they've been okay. So I would have to say, yeah, probably the secondary or, again, their defensive line has also had some trouble, but they looked good this game. So it's, it's hard to tell really with Montreal, but the Riders is definitely the offensive line. I I forgot I read something today and I had to add it just to kind of uh, add it into this. I was reading Third Down Nation's Insiders Talks today and they had a point on there that said, I think Vernon Adams takes a lot of pressure off Montreal's offensive line because he moves so well, which forces the yeah. defense to stay in their rush lanes. Schultz does too. And it'll be different with Trevor Harris. And we saw that at the end of the game because he got sacked like a couple times at the end of the game. So that could be a real problem for them heading into the playoffs for sure. It's also the oldest offensive line in the CFL, so that is also Ooh. worth mentioning. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that, huh? N- nice mm-hmm. little tidbits of information here today. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so let's jump into our power rankings, which are pretty similar this week. We're getting some parity now. So, number one, I've got Winnipeg. Uh, number two, Sask. Three, Calgary. Fourth, Toronto. Fifth, Montreal. Sixth, Hamilton. Seventh, BC. Eighth, Ottawa. And Edmonton is in the basement. Huh. I guess we only have one difference this week. I got uh, Winnipeg 1, Saskatchewan 2, Toronto 3. I like Toronto better than Calgary. Uh, Calgary 4, Montreal 5, Hamilton 6, BC 7th. Not looking good for them. Uh, Ottawa 8th, and yeah, the Edmonton Elks in ninth. And for myself, I'm actually uh, matching with Jimmy over there, so I'm going to re-repeat his list essentially. Uh, Winnipeg <laughs> one, Sask two, Calgary three, Toronto four, Montreal five, Hamilton six, BC seventh, Ottawa eighth, and Edmonton dumpster. Fair enough. <laughs> We're moving quick. Yep. So let's jump into CFL fantasy best positional options this week. I have for you Michael Riley. Zach Caleros and McLeod Bethel Thompson. Any other quarterbacks you would consider this week? I mean, hopefully if Sean McGuire plays, that's an instant lock. <laughs> He's a $5,000 quarterback. Yeah, if he does play. but And I might just pick him anyway because he might get a rushing touchdown. Yeah, hey, that's that's been a smart play this year if you've been... It's, been, it's, it's more likely that he gets a rushing touchdown compared to any running back that you pick. Think about that. True. Yep. Scary, but true. <laughs> This was super flex fantasy. Yeah, I'd recommend that, but this is normal fantasy. So no quarterbacks in that flex spot. So let's jump into running backs. I've got Standback, Oliveira, DJ Foster, and James Butler. Anybody else really this week? Yeah, I got one for sure. Uh, Hamilton's Don Jackson is going up Mm. against BC this week. He is 6,075. Not a bad price. He had a 120-yard game last game. I'm not chasing it, but BC has a terrible defense that has been letting up a lot of rushing yards against a lot of other opponents. 
So uh, oh. I think he could have another really good game there against BC. Um, for the running backs, I'm actually going with uh, Stanback and Foster. So yeah, I've got, got Stanback and Oliveira right now. So you think Stanback's going to get those rushing yards against Winnipeg's defense? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, it's in Winnipeg, man. I don't know. Like I, he I put think up numbers against one. Saskatchewan, who has the best run defense in the league. So I mean, he he'll only be put fine. up eighty yards. Yeah, but he I, also like got that's... it in on the receiving game too. You got to remember that. So oh, that's true. But yeah, I don't know. My only beef is weak. My only beef with the Don Jackson one is that he played last week because Sean Thomas Erlington was nursing an injury. So. I'm curious to see oh, what they do when he's week. back. So are they gonna are they gonna split carries or is Don Jackson gonna be the guy? It's gonna be interesting, especially with the ratio issues that that might cause for them. Though Sean Thomas was playing last week, he stepped aside for Jackson. It says. Oh, okay, yeah, because I know so, he he was a little hurt, so it was like eh. But at the same time, I'd be yeah. rolling with Don though. So yeah, you never know. Fair enough. And then for wide receiver, I've got Nick Dembski, Jalen Acklin, Rashid Bailey, Steve Dunbar, Tim White, and Curly Gittins Jr., friend of the show. Anybody else you recommend? Uh, no, that's, yeah, I got Curly Gittins and Rashid Bailey in my lineup. I got Key and Schaefer Baker filling a spot right now, but I feel like I'm going to change that one out soon. I've got, um, I've got Nick Dembski, I've got, uh, Braden Lenius, and then I've also got, um, because I think you pick any of the wide receivers on uh, on Winnipeg, and they're actually like any of them can have an explosive game. So I'm actually going Drew Wolitarski, thirty eight hundred bucks. Ooh, that's risky, oh, that's but I like player. it. He's been known to get. He's been known to get like one or two explosive plays every game. Gets like a couple of gets a couple of targets down the field for like a forty yard gain. Yeah, yeah. For me, I am. I've got Tim White. And Curly Gittens and a value pick at my receiver spot. So, yeah. And then defense and special teams. I have the Argos defense, which is super cheap. I believe they're $1 over minimum. Yes, they are going up against the Red Blacks. So, that's a steal there. And then, yeah. Otherwise, I would say... I don't know. Yeah, that's the only defense I'd go with. But for value picks, I have Ricardo Lewis and Reggie White. Anybody else you would consider? It's tough. Uh, I really don't think there's a lot of other good options out there for value picks this week. Um, yeah, getting slim. For value picks, I don't have a value pick, but I did have a different defense, actually, that I rolled with. Um, oh, ooh. I'm actually, uh, I am picking up the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. Oh, there we go. It's a, it's a smidge pricey. It's a smidge pricey, but I like filling up the full team. I like having a defense. Yeah, I'm starting to get back into picking defenses more often, but I do like that pick. So let's jump into our locks. I have McLeod Bethel Thompson as my lock going up against Ottawa, so you know he's gonna light it up against the mm. Red Blacks. So smart. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going with the Argos defense for my lock this week. Uh, the last time they played Ottawa, they put up 29 fantasy points. I don't think they're gonna get quite that high this week, but uh, 
I don't see why they couldn't put up a, at least a good 10 or 15. So, yeah, I think they're a good pick this week. And uh, I've got a bit of an asterisk next to my lock, and I know what uh, what somebody <laughs> might be thinking. But, Carter, it's called the lock segment. Shut up. It's our show. I'm going to do what I want. This is uh, <laughs> I'm going with Sean McGuire if he plays. If he plays, that is the fastest lock in, that I've made all season. Do you have anyone else in mind in case he doesn't play? If he doesn't play, lock? I would go with Nick Dembski as my lock. He right, seems to be he seems to be surprisingly valuable even at seventy yeah. five hundred bucks. He's been getting more and more targets as the season goes on, and he's been converting those into big plays. Fair enough. And if you're looking for your pick'em, uh, all all three of us have been mostly better than the CFL experts. I'll say. I think I we am, all are. Yeah, are. I think we all might be now. You, I am, you had a slow start and caught up. I had a fast start and slowed down, but we're all around the same. Yeah. And so I am 26 and 18. I picked Hamilton to beat BC, Saskatchewan to beat Edmonton, Toronto to beat Ottawa, and Winnipeg to beat Montreal. I think we all have those picks. Yes, we, we do. do. Yeah, I'm yep. 28 and 16, got the same picks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we'll end up the exact same next week. Just with, Yeah, uh, a well, I'll be um, crazy. Two games difference between top and bottom in this, and it's and we're all doing, we're all above 500, so can't even be mad. We're no all, doubt. We're all vibing. And then Better than the people that represent the CFL. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Right. I still <laughs> love that we're the CFL does pick them every week on Instagram and we all have better records than them. <laughs> oh man. And then so let's move on to our game time cues. So for BC versus Hamilton, can BC carry over their success from last week or will they kind of fold? Well, they lost last week, and I think they're going to carry over that same success this week, and they're going to lose in Hamilton. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they have any good luck coming their way. BC carry their success? What success, man? Like, yeah. That's my question from that. Hey, yeah, if they, they had a confident the field goal kicker, they would have won that game. But they don't. Yeah, and if, uh, like, like at the end of the day, though, the entire sport's made up of ifs, right? Yep. True. Exactly. They didn't win. I don't know. For me, that uh, this is probably my coin flip of the week. This game, so I almost picked BC, but yeah, I don't think they're gonna win. But I think it'll be close. So I think they're gonna carry over that kind of almost winning factor to this week. <laughs> and then Saskatchewan versus Edmonton. I know we talked about this earlier that Nick Arbuckle probably isn't gonna start for. A week or two, but how quick does he show up in this game? Uh, I think only if it's a blowout, like we'll see him in the fourth quarter. But I really think they want to get like a lot of tape on Taylor Cornelius, so I think we're going to see him a lot. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, you want to know what Nick Arbuckle brings to the table in terms of the Edmonton Elks. Um, you want to see what Taylor Cornelius brings in terms of just being a quarterback in general. There's way more tape on Arbuckle in general. True, but you've had Cornelius for a while here, and I feel like Saskatchewan's gonna murk him like all the other teams have pretty much done so far. So mm. I think we see Nick Arbuckle in the fourth quarter for sure, maybe the third. Ooh. And actually before we move on, we're talking about having fun facts. Here's a fun fact for you. If Saskatchewan wins this game like we all predict, then Edmonton will go winless at home for the first time in organization history. Yikes. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Some heads are going to roll in the offseason this year. That's for sure in Edmonton. Well, and the, 
they've been around for a minute too. Like that's yep. cool. That's yeah. Cool. Hey, I'm gonna. I want to ask you guys one more question about this game. Sure. Who will be the Riders' number one receiver this week? Oh man, Duke Williams. <laughs> I, I'm going with Duke Williams again. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I'm saying Shaq Evans because he's the one that hasn't been questioned on his health this week. So. Oh yeah! Um, Crap! I forgot about that. You're right. Hmm. Not but like Braden Lenius could have a 50 yard catch and lead the whole team. Like, you know what I'm saying, right? It's so weird. It's so I know. We don't I have hate offenses like that where it's just like you have no idea who it's going to be. Well, yeah, we passed. But I mean, at the same time, it's kind of nice, especially if your team's doing good. True. Like it makes well, it so it's hard for defenses to predict. Like it's nice, when... but I hate it as a fantasy guy. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, like it's nice as a fan because we spread the ball out. But yeah, as fantasy, like it, I can't pick a rider receiver because it's like they're not, they're going to get 25 yards this game. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like at least with Montreal, we're like, blah, 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 Jake Winicky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Eugene Lewis, exactly. And then let's go to the Toronto versus Ottawa game. Does Toronto struggle against the Red Blacks like they did with BC? Uh, no, I think this will be a shellacking. Uh, I don't think there's going to be many fans in the stands to watch this one. And yeah, Toronto's going to have some fun and, uh, just, uh, yeah, they're going to have some fun before the playoffs get here. Um, um, this is the toughest call that they make. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends. Cause like the biggest thing about this is just like, does Winnipeg take their foot off the gas? Oh, hold on. We're on the what? Toronto Ottawa one. Oh, we're, oh, yeah. we're still, oh bleh, 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 bleh. my brain. <laughs> we're moving on. Uh, anyway, uh, does Toronto struggle against the Red Blacks? If you do it, I don't think so. Yeah, this is going to be a no for me. BC is a no. competent team. Ottawa is not. So, yeah. Let's go to Montreal versus Winnipeg. Is this the toughest call to make this week? Uh. I mean, I think so because, I, like, I don't think BC can beat Hamilton. I think Saskatchewan's gonna have a good game against Edmonton, same as Toronto against Ottawa, and it's gonna be if, like, I think this is a coin flip if we see some guys rest on Winnipeg because then they're gonna play a little bit lo- like closer to everyone else's level in the CFL right now. I think that's the way it gets to a coin flip. I will say it is. Um, I doubt that it's going to be from the players' standpoint. I think the team knows that, like. They got to go at it with 100% tenacity. And I think the team wants to break some records and be remembered as one of the best teams of all time. So I think that um, if they are going to take their foot off the gas, it's going to come from the top brass and not the players themselves. But yeah, I don't know who they're going to put on the depth chart this week. Even at quarterback, I have no idea if they're going to put Caleros or Maguire in. Um, be a fun year to have Strebler in, but you know that's obviously not an option. <laughs> he he's with the Cardinals, so that is not yeah, an option. He's, so. he's doing he's doing good. Yeah, he's he, doing good. Oh man, but I for, think he's still the second string. So yeah, he is. And then for this game, I would say, oh man, I I would rephrase this as is this feels like the trap game of the week for Winnipeg, and. I already said kind of I think the BC Hamilton game is going to be the closest one, but this one I feel like is a potential trap game, especially with how Trevor Harris looked against Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into our COVID activities. We're going to eventually have to find another name for this segment. I just haven't figured one out yet. 
So, for me, I, I watched Halloween Kills uh, on Halloween night. That was fun. Um, decent movie. Uh, I did not watch it in theaters, and it is not available for on Netflix yet. So, either get a ticket and go see it, or find a website. <laughs> Can't encourage that, Mike. Hey, <laughs> they, they, they. We're not getting in trouble for that. Everybody does yeah. that. It's real yeah. Here. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Mine, I guess, is I uh, had Halloween with my kids the other day, so that was fun. My son dressed up as an Among Us character. My daughter was a witch, so that's always <laughs> that's <fun>. cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, and then my other activity, uh, I it came out today, and I highly, highly recommend it. It's called The Heart of a Fall. It's out on Netflix. It is a, a Western movie, but it's it's uh, got, it's based on real people, but it's not a real story. But it's got Jonathan Majors in it, who played Kang in Loki. Uh, it's got uh, Idris Elba in it. It's got yeah, it's got a it's got a really great cast, and yeah, it just came out today. It's got Lakeith Stanfield too. He was in uh, Atlanta. If anyone ever watched that, and. Uh, yeah, it's just it's been a really good movie so far. Can't wait to see the ending here, but uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Um, for me, I have been on the morning show on Mix ninety six this past week, so my sleep schedule has been absolutely battered. Um, <laughs> like my, I gotta be up at four a.m. and my circadian oh, rhythm hasn't no. caught up with that because I gotta be up at four at work for five. The morning show starts at six, but the good news is I'm out of work at one p.m. Oh, that's so, all right. That's nice. I hope there's nice. a Tim's on your way to work. <laughs> um, well, dude, there's an A and W like five steps outside of my office. Oh, that's great. All right. It's so great, and like A and W breakfast is the most underrated thing in the world. Like True. their hash browns are the best. Period. Ooh, that's Ooh. a hot take right there. That yeah, is that is. Ooh, get, that is a really hot take. I haven't gone to McDonald's good... breakfast since they got rid of the breakfast sauce. I was so get, mad about that. Uh, if you get a good A&W hash brown, where it's like, they make it like so crispy, it's unbelievable. Oh. Um, but besides that, I also just, I don't have this written, but I uh, finally watched, I watched it earlier today, I watched Moneyball. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. For the first time, classic, well, classic 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, but Hey, it's classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, loved it. And, I mean, personally really good movie um i like sports things obviously that's why we're doing this whole thing but, yep. <laughs> but no um actually very very good movie you know I'd, I'd been getting like recommendations on youtube for like clips of it and i was getting really interested so i was like you know what i'm just gonna sit down watch the whole thing and it was really good good watch sure i like chris pratt yeah true and then I believe that wraps up the show. So thank you very much for listening. Once again, you can find the podcast uh, on Twitter and Instagram at True North CF Pod and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For the True North Canadian Football Podcast, I have been your host, Jimmy Leach. This is the True North Canadian Football Podcast signing off.